Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 46, we'll be going over reflexive verbs. Have you ever wondered what the deal is with se or se in Spanish words like ducharse, vestirse, or levantarse? In the first part of this three-part episode series on reflexive verbs, we're going to go over the basics of what reflexive verbs are and what's up with this say. We're also going to be talking about in our cultural tip, the exciting holidays of Colombia. Just a heads up, I am doing something new with the blog and with the show notes for the first time. I will have an item in my show notes that has an affiliate link to Amazon. So I will include a link to my disclosure policy, but Basically, all that means is that at no extra charge to you, I receive a small commission if you choose to purchase the product using my link. Now, I only recommend products this way if I've bought them and used them myself and found them, of course, useful. So that is the only time I plan on providing you with an affiliate link to Amazon. But since it doesn't change the cost to you, and since I would recommend the product anyway, I decided I'd go ahead and sign up for the Amazon affiliate program. So. Just a heads up, just wanted to be completely transparent and open about that from the get-go. So, let's begin. So what are reflexive verbs? Well, simply put, reflexive verbs are verbs in Spanish where the subject performs the action on itself. For example, when you take una ducha, or a shower, you are essentially washing yourself. Hence, in Spanish, you would say me ducho. Or if you stand up, I would say te levantas for you stand up because you are causing yourself to stand up. Te levantas. We don't really think like this in English. We tend to focus more on the action itself. For example, we say I took a shower instead of I showered myself. Or we would say, I got dressed instead of, I dressed myself. If you were to focus on, I dressed myself in English, which, you know, is a direct translation of the Spanish, me visto, you would be implying that you normally cannot dress yourself. This connotation, or rather implied context, isn't there in Spanish. It's quite the opposite. If you only said, visto, and didn't make it reflexive, they might wonder who you dressed and why. Now, with reflexive pronouns, you conjugate them the same way that you conjugate any other Spanish verb, except that the reflexive pronoun goes before a conjugated verb and at the end of an unconjugated verb. So, levantarme is the unconjugated form, or the infinitive form of the verb, but with the first personal reflexive pronoun, i.e. me, m-e. So, if I'm trying to say, I want to stand up, I would say, yo quiero levantarme. Now, the conjugated form would be, me levanto. So, levantarme and me levanto. The reflexive pronouns are pretty close to the pronouns you use for direct and indirect pronouns. In fact, all three pronoun sets are the same, except when it comes to the third person nouns, i.e. he, she, they, and formal you. So with direct pronouns, you use lo, la, los, and las. And for indirect pronouns, you use le or les. 
but with reflexive pronouns, you use se. Here are all of the reflexive pronouns. Yo, you would use me. Tu is te. El, ella, or usted is se. Nosotros, or nosotras, is nos. Vosotros, or vosotras, is os. Ellos, ellas, and ustedes is se. So basically, any form of el, ellos, ella, ellas, singular, plural, usted, ustedes, it's all going to be se. Now, a couple of side notes. Reflexive verbs are different than verbs with direct or indirect objects, such as él me dio un regalo, or he gave me a gift, where the subject performs an action on someone or something else. Also, sometimes reflexive verbs can also be reciprocal verbs. This is where two subjects are doing the same thing to each other, such as with casarse. So, for example, se casan would be they marry each other, or as we would say in English, they are getting married. But reciprocal verbs, that's for a different episode. So finally, here are some common reflexive verbs based on some normal daily activities. And I conjugated all of them as first person singular or yo. Number one, despertarse, to wake up. Example, me despierto cada día a las siete. I wake up every day at seven. Or more literally, I wake myself up every day at seven. Next, levantarse, to get out of bed. Pero no me levanto hasta las siete y media. But I don't get out of bed until 7.30. Number three, vestirse, to get dressed. Example, rápidamente me visto. I get dressed quickly. Me visto. Ducharse is to shower. So, por las mañanas me ducho. I shower in the mornings. Or, I shower myself in the mornings. Number five is peinarse. Peinarse. To comb or to style your hair. An example is, me peino el pelo antes de comer. I brush my hair before eating. Irse. To leave. Me voy al trabajo. I leave for work. Or, more literally, I leave myself for work. Number seven, quedarse, to remain or stay someplace. So, for example, me quedo en el trabajo todo el día. I stay at work all day. Next, bañarse, to take a bath. Después del trabajo, me baño para relajarme. After work, I take a bath to relax. That one's kind of like a double double example for you. Relajarse is also a reflexive verb to relax yourself. Después del trabajo, me baño para relajarme. After work, I take a bath to relax. And also, in that one, you get examples of unconjugated and conjugated reflexive verbs. You're welcome. Anyways, number nine, cepillarse los dientes, to brush your teeth. Now, Side note, cepillarse is generally used for brushing and peinarse is generally used for combing. That's at least what they taught me in high school. That being said, I think in Spain that they use peinarse for brushing hair as well and cepillarse or lavarse for brushing your teeth. Please send me an email if you knew more on the subtle differences between these two. But in general, cepillarse los dientes is to brush your teeth. 
Example, me cepillo los dientes después de la cena. I brush my teeth after dinner. Number 10, acostarse, to go to bed, acostarse. Me acuesto a las nueve por la noche. I go to bed at nine at night. Me acuesto a las nueve por la noche. And finally, as an extra, extra bonus, number 11, dormirse, to fall asleep. An example sentence would be, pero no me duermo hasta las diez, but I don't fall asleep until 10. I'm going to go ahead and read the example sentences again, but all as one, I don't know, almost stream of consciousness for what one's daily activities could be. So, me despierto cada día a las siete, pero no me levanto hasta las siete y media. Rápidamente me visto. Claro, por las mañanas me ducho y me peino el pelo antes de comer. Después me voy al trabajo y me quedo en el trabajo todo el día. Después del trabajo, me baño para relajarme y me cepillo los dientes después de la cena. Finalmente, me acuesto a las nueve por la noche, pero no me duermo hasta las diez. In the above list, there are some verbs that make sense to an English speaker as examples of reflexive situations, such as peinarse or vestirse, since you generally will do those things to yourself. But others might take some imagination, or even just rote memorization, to figure out. For example, quedarse. We don't normally think of ourselves as keeping ourselves someplace, but technically I suppose that you only leave a place when you want to, you know, minus extenuating circumstances. So that's all for today's episode. In our next episodes, 47 and 48, we'll review some verbs that actually change their meaning if you make them reflexive, such as ir versus irse and quedar versus quedarse. So in today's cultural tip, we're going to talk about the various holidays of Colombia mainly focusing on the national holidays, or public holidays, if you will. I have divided their public holidays into two lists on the blog. One is their global national holidays, so this is a list of holidays that many other countries celebrate, like New Year's Day, or holidays that we've really already covered in other episodes, like St. Joseph's Day or Epiphany. What I'll quickly go over here are some interesting tidbits regarding these national holidays, that kind of provide you more context or describe unique ways that the Colombians celebrate these days. One thing to keep in mind is that in Colombia, they celebrate their Christian holidays on the Monday after the actual date. Really quick, uh, on Epiphany, which is January 6th, people will normally spend the day with their family going to church or recreating the arrival of the Three Kings. In Bogota, the neighborhood Egipto actually holds a big community-wide reenactment, which I think would be really cool to see. Ascension Day, which is May 26th, is the 40th day of Easter, and it commemorates the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. Corpus Christi, which is June 19th, is a day to celebrate the Eucharist, or Holy Communion, and it is celebrated the second Thursday after Whitsun. And of course, when it comes to how Colombians celebrate Christmas, we went into that in more depth in episode 43, which I will, of course, include a link to in the episode show notes, The holidays that I'd really like to dive into today, though, are six national Colombian holidays that struck me as either really unique to the country itself, or maybe were holidays that we hadn't quite talked about yet and really struck stuck out to me as 
interesting holidays. So for example, the first one is Sacred Heart or the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, also known as El Sagrado Corazón de Jesús. This takes place on June 27th and it commemorates the quote, physical heart of Jesus as a symbol for his divine love for all humanity, unquote. It takes place 19 days after Pentecost and the second Friday after Corpus Christi. Colombia was officially consecrated to Jesus' sacred heart in 1902, but sadly, they removed this from their constitution in 1991. And I say sadly because what a odd thing to have in your constitution, but also how cool is that? Colombia officially consecrated itself to Jesus' sacred heart. Like, that's awesome. I don't know how many countries have done something like that, so it's a little sad that they took that out of their constitution. Anyways, the next one is St. Peter and St. Paul's Day. Now, this is celebrated on June 29th, so because the Colombians celebrate their Christian holidays on the Monday after that, they will celebrate it on July 4th this year. And this holiday, you know, it celebrates the combined martyrdom in 67 AD of St. Peter and St. Paul. Now, tradition says that both were killed on the same day by Emperor Nero, Peter being crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified the same way as his Lord Jesus, and Paul was beheaded due to his status as a Roman citizen. So, you know, a much quicker death, if you will. Now, the next one is the Colombian Declaration of Independence. So this takes place on July 20th, and it commemorates the uprising in Bogota in 1810 that basically became the catalyst for Colombia's independence. Criollos, or natives of Spanish descent, visited an important businessman named Jose González Llorente to ask him if they could borrow a flower pot, knowing full well that he would refuse. He did and the flower pot somehow got broken, and this somehow sparked riots in Bogota and the formation of a junta, or a military government. It took nine more years for Colombia to become a republic and have its independence recognized by Spain in 1819. So they celebrate this day with parades, marches, traditional folk music, and by watching sports. The next one, number four, is the Batalla de Boyacá, and this takes place on August 7th. This is in celebration of the 1819 battle where Colombia gained independence from Spain. The Republican army defeated the Royalist army about 150 kilometers north of Bogota. And although the fighting continued for years after, this battle is seen as a decisive victory. So they celebrate with parades and festivals and the military pays homage to the fallen soldiers. And in Bogota, interestingly enough, they have an annual carnival to celebrate the city's Hispanic foundation in 1538 on August 6th. So, you know, they kind of begin celebrating a day early. Next is Dia de la Raza, or Day of the Races. And it's the second Monday in October, so it's October 17th this year. This commemorates the indigenous people of the Americas on Columbus Day by celebrating the first meeting of Europe and Native Americans. It's kind of, it's it's Columbia's own twist on what we would call Columbus Day. Finally, number six is Independence of Cartagena, which is celebrated on the closest Monday to November 11th. That's because on November 11th in 1811, Cartagena was the first Colombian city to declare independence from Spain. It's a national holiday because this was a key event for Colombia's freedom. People celebrate with parades, might be noticing a theme here, and there's an especially large one in Cartagena, or as they would say, Cartagena. Cartagena also has a battle of flowers, 
during the celebration where they pick Miss Columbia from 21 local beauty pageant winners. Miss Columbia then represents the country at the Miss Universe contest. Now, all of these facts have come from officeholidays.com, and I will, of course, be including all of the relevant links to this episode in the show notes. Alrighty, so let's quickly talk about that useful tool I was hinting at at the beginning that has my Amazon affiliate link attached to it. Now, when selecting which reflexive verbs I would focus on for this series, you know, episodes 46 through 48, I consulted my Spanish Frequency Dictionary by Most Used Words. It's not a perfect frequency dictionary. I actually have yet to find one that is, but it fulfills its purpose. I like that it has an alphabetized index at the back that gives you the frequency number for each word rather than a page number. I also like that the authors are pretty upfront about how they created their list and the inherent pitfalls in their method. Again, there is no such thing as a perfect frequency list, at least that I've found. This means you can decide as the reader for yourself how best to use this resource and interpret the data. So for this reason, I would only recommend using this if you are an intermediate or advanced Spanish student as you'll have a better grasp on the Spanish language and can better navigate the book. For example, I really liked using this as a starting point for my podcast. After all, the goal was to use some of the most frequently used reflexive verbs, but there were some words they listed as reflexive that I had never seen used that way before and which my favorite online dictionary, wordreference.com, also didn't recognize as legitimate. Now, to be fair, I didn't cross-check these with the RAE, so there is a chance that the frequency dictionary is correct but a beginner level learner wouldn't know enough to be able to question that. So anyways, if you would like to have a Spanish frequency dictionary, either to figure out what words are used the most and use it to help you figure out which vocabulary you wanna focus on, or you're just curious to see, or whatever your reason might be, I do recommend the Spanish frequency dictionary by most used words. Now. I've only bought and purchased the first book, so it's the first 2,500 words, but they do have, I want to say like three or four other books that kind of supposedly encompass the entirety of spoken Spanish, or I guess maybe it's equivalent. I personally don't think that you would need to purchase all four series or all four books in the series. I'm pretty content with the book I have. I'm toyed with the idea of buying the next one up, but I'm not yet convinced that it's worth the bang for the buck, so to speak. So anyway, there is a useful tool for you if you so desire, but obviously only if you desire. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources I used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about Spanish culture or grammar, or even if you just need help editing or creating content in English, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. Aprovechalo, disfrútalo y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego.